The message that I'm going to share on today is a message of faith, a message of you and I releasing the God-given faith that he's put within us. And how can we develop it? How can we cultivate it? You know, um, because without faith, it's actually impossible to please God. And so I'm just really encouraged. There's so much, you know, the, the t topic of faith is an inexhaustible subject. And there is so much that we can learn from. And, you know, my brother was here in September and he actually did three enlarged nights plus a Sunday and started sharing on faith. And he himself said just in that moment, it was just touching, that it was just the tip of the iceberg of faith. There is so much that we can learn from the Word of God that will empower us to live the life he's called us to live. Amen. So I want to start by just telling you a wee story. You know, my background before I left to go to Bible college, etc., was midwifery. I trained to be a nurse. I was a nurse for five years, and then I went on and trained to be a midwife. And I was a midwife for 12 years in total before kind of doing what we do now. And um, this year in May, my daughter and I were back in England in the city where I had actually, um, we were in the city where I had actually worked as a midwife um, in, that, in that city and the surrounding areas for nine years. And I said to my daughter, you know, anybody here that you see that looks between the age of 22 and 31, I could have well been part of their delivery. So that kind of made us look at people a little bit differently because, you know, one of my, my main role was on, on the, the labor ward where women were giving birth. And I worked in the regional hospital where we had 6,000 babies born a year. And, you know, it was amazing. We had like 14 labor rooms. We had, oh, it was amazing. It was just amazing. And we had like six rooms where women could come in in early labor, four rooms where people could just come in if they were a bit unsure about something. We had a birthing center. We had two theaters to do emergency surgeries and normal planned surgeries. It was massive. You know, and so literally there's a lot of 22 to 31 year olds in that area that I well, could well have been part of their arrival onto planet Earth. But you know, then I said to her, I said, you know, if however, we came here all these years later and I said to you, you know what? Every baby you see could have been somebody that I was involved with their birth. That would have been an abnormal picture. If, it was, if there were still babies, they were still being pushed around in the prams, that would have been an abnormal picture, would it not? Now, 22 to 31-year-olds are not supposed to be in a pram and tiny. They're supposed to have grown and developed and matured. Well, you know what? You know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know, you could preach this to me. It's exactly the same for us spiritually. When we are recreated in the image of God and we've given our life to Jesus Christ and his spirit comes to live and dwell within us, that is just the start. We are recreated. Those 21 precious souls that came to Jesus last Sunday, they are babies right now. But if in 22 to 20 odd years later we come and they're still babies, that is abnormal. It is no different in the spiritual world as it is to the physical world. And what I believe I'm going to bring to you today is something that's going to help us grow up. We need to grow up. We need to mature in our faith because we need to do it for our own lives, but we need to do it for the world that is waiting for us to get strong in our faith muscles, to grow up, to get over the things that are weighing us down and keeping us hindered, and to step into the future, to step into all that God's called us to be part of. Amen? He's given us his hope. He's given us his spirit. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's not just for me, myself, and I. It's for the world in which we live. Amen? 
We're born again, not to stay as babies, but to grow in our faith, to develop in our faith, to mature in our faith. And why? Good question. So that we can release our faith and live in freedom. And there are too many people on planet earth who've made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, but they are still living in bondage. They are still living with the chains on them. But I'm here and all of us are here to declare in the name of Jesus that chains are to be broken and chains will be broken in the name of Jesus. Whatever the chains are that are holding you back, I know that faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the name of Jesus, which is the name above all names, is the name that we declare over your life, over my life, over our city, over our nation, it's through the name of Jesus it's through the power of the blood of Jesus that chains will be broken so you see the thing is though it's not just going to happen because we've given our lives to Jesus Christ and I often think that in this fast-paced world in which we live where it's busy 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 full 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 going from one thing to the next thing and before we got to the next thing we're going on to the next thing we've actually forgotten to do something that is just simple which is just to be still you know, you can't even answer your jolly emails. Do you know what? Sometimes I go on my phone to make a phone call or to um, see about the weather or something. Before I know it, I've been on there for five minutes. I haven't checked the weather and I haven't made the phone call. That's the world in which we're living. There's so many things coming to distract us. And we've got to be really smart here. Sometimes it's even good things. It might even be fun things, but we don't have time to be distracted. We've got plenty of time to enjoy the fun things, but not, to be, not allow ourselves to be distracted with the fine things. If God blesses you in an abundant way with certain um, material things, don't allow them to take you away from being still before God or being in the house of God. It's crazy when we let the sunshine that he blesses us with keep us away from the house of God. Amen? That's why I love that you're all here and it's all full. So I just want to speak into this situation of this topic this morning. You know, the word covering and framing our church this year is the word release. And you know, it's a seven-letter word, but it's literally got four pages of dictionary meaning. I'm not going to give you the four pages. <laughs> I'm just going to give you one. One of the meanings of the word release is to allow something or someone to move, act, or flow freely to remove restrictions from someone or something, enabling them to do something else. And I believe in the name of Jesus. Just like a cork puts the champagne, keeps the champagne in the bottle, we need to take the cork off the champagne bottle and let the champagne out, okay? Now, we all thought, a lot of us thought we would be, you know, popping the champagne when England won the World Cup or when Germany won the World Cup or Brazil or Portugal or Spain. But now we've got France and Croatia. So, but you get my meaning, don't you? It's the same as with the handbrake. How many of you tried to drive a car with a handbrake on? Yeah. Yeah, me too. How come no boys are putting their hands up? I bet you have. But you, <laughs> but you know what? Driving a car with a handbrake on? Well, I don't even need to explain that one to you. No caption needed for that, hey. But you know, faith is what's going to do it for us. Faith is going to take the handbrake off. Faith is going to be the cork. You know, we take that cork off. It's faith. And so that's what I want to share because, you know, we are told in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that it's impossible to please God without faith. And I want to read it in the Message Bible. I've got quite a few scriptures for you today. It's called, it's, okay, but that's okay. It's church, hey? <laughs> 
Hebrews 11 verse 6 in the message translation says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that one, he exists, and two, that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the wonderful thing is in Romans 12 verse 3, we see that God has given to everyone a measure of faith. He's given to everyone a measure of faith. So it's not your faith. He's given a measure of his faith to you and to me. So that takes the pressure off us in trying to think we have to muster our own faith up. It's not faith in ourselves; It's faith in God. And he's given us it all in seed form at the beginning. Amen? It's beautiful. He's given to everybody a measure of faith. Our relationship with God is a faith-based relationship. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's, our, our, our relationship with God is not based on emotions or intellect. It's actually based on faith. Amen? So therefore, we need to live by faith. And therefore, our progress in this relationship and in this life is going to be based on faith and faith alone. And faith doesn't work from the outside in. It doesn't work from the circumstances. It doesn't work from the culture in which we are surrounded with. It works from the inside in. Now, I don't have time to explain all of this at this moment, but the majority of you would know that we're made spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. And oftentimes, our life is dictated by the soul realm and the body. But when Jesus Christ comes Lord, becomes Lord of our lives, we start to operate from the inside out. This is where it's so different. It's from the inside out, from the Spirit of God that is in us, we start to live. Amen? We were created in the image of God, Spirit being first and foremost. And when we have Jesus in our hearts, we can start to live like we were intended to live from the very beginning. When we live like this, it has the power to change our lives and release us to walk in freedom. Romans 1 in verse 17 in the Passion Translation says this, this gospel, the gospel, the good news, Jesus Christ, unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. And righteousness is right standing before God. A perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. It's given to us when we believe. And I love this part. It says, and it moves us from receiving life through faith, which is salvation, to the power of living by faith. The power of living by faith. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want the power in my life, the power that comes with living a life of faith. I want that power working and operating in my life. And I'm sure you do too. Living by faith, what does that mean? Do you know, it simply means applying the teachings and principles of God's word to every area of our life. Not just salvation, not just coming to church, not just relationships, but not just even in our tithes and offerings, but every area of our lives. It's all faith-based. We're not going to make any progress. I'm sorry to tell you, we are not going to make the progress, any progress, without coming to God in faith. You see, I was just thinking now, 
when we give our tithes, when I was putting my envelope in, I was thinking, gosh, if I just do this without attaching faith to what I'm doing, all I'm doing is making a donation. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to put faith into what I am putting into the offering. So I got hold of that envelope. It's the, probably the most scrunched up one that they got in the, bo- in the bucket. But I got hold of it and I went, God, I'm putting this in, in faith. Faith that you're going to do what you said you would do through this, but also faith that you're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we will not be able to contain it. We've got to attach faith to everything. Otherwise, it's just a donation. When we pray, if we don't have faith in the name of Jesus, when we pray, we're just talking. So it's all based on faith. We won't make any progress if we go to God without faith. If we're praying for peace without faith in the name of Jesus and the Prince of Peace, then literally... We're just having a chat. And we're not here to just have a chat. We are here to do business. I love the song we're singing, that Jesus' love is coming after us and it's going to kick down the wall and it's going to tear down the lines. lies. That's not, that's not passive. That's very proactive. Amen? Amen. You know, even like, let me just say this. Today, when we give an invitation for people to make their peace with Jesus, something was stirred in us last week. From the very moment when we met as a team, we were stirred in our faith about people coming home. And then we saw 21 people make their peace with Jesus. But if we actually, when the invitation is going out, as people who've already done this before, or seen it or heard it before, if we switch off and we don't attach faith to it, we won't see the progress that we're wanting to see. Now, our prayers and our faith cannot make somebody choose something, but it certainly sets up an environment for the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? It certainly sets up an environment. So let's, when we come to that part of our service, really have faith to believe that people are going to come home today. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 11. Let's talk a little bit about faith. Hebrews more. Hebrews 11 verse 1. You know, actually Hebrews is just the book of faith. The whole Bible is faith. But Hebrews 1 is a very specific chapter, Hebrews 11, on faith. And I just want to read verse 1 and 3 to you. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not yet see it. Verse 3, it is by faith we understand that the whole world was made by God's command, which means God's word, so that what we see was made by something that cannot be seen. So basically, the world in which we now live in was made, that we now see, was made through God's word that we did not see. God spoke words that were invisible and created what was visible. So we have faith today already, even though we have not yet given an invitation for people to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, we have faith that that is going to happen today. We know it's going to happen. We have faith for it. Amen? Because for the last five years, every single Sunday, people have come home. So we know it's going to happen. We just don't know how many, um, etc. Do you know what I mean? It's actually really, really simple. It's just believing God's word. Amen? And it's not just for the elite few. It's not just for Pastor Brian Houston and Pastor Bobby Houston and for Billy, the Billy Grahams of this world. It's for every single one of us because the same measure of faith was given to me as was given to Billy Graham when he gave his life to Jesus, as was given to Pastor Brian and Pastor Bobby Houston. Amen? As was given to my father, it's the same seed 
but it's up to us. What are we going to do to take the next steps to cultivate it and develop it? Because faith is given in measure, but it can grow. Just like the babies are born little, but they can grow. Amen? Salvation is just the beginning. And I want to make a statement here. Are you ready for it? I want to say that we have to understand that it's going to take more than faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to live a victorious, powerful life here on earth. We've got to, we've got to be okay with that because that's the reality. Just giving our lives to Jesus is the beginning. We've got to understand it's going to take more than faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've got to grow and develop and cultivate faith and grow in this and mature these muscles. Amen. So we really have to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the seed of faith that was deposited and given to us? Are we putting ourselves in an environment where it can be watered, where it can grow? Or are we, God forbid, doing what the man did with the talent where he buried it? And the thing is, God can't do those things for us. We have to do it. It's our decision. What are we going to do? You know, we can see through the scriptures that Jesus was never more frustrated than when he was faced with unbelief from those around him. He would say things, oh, you of little faith, why are you so fearful? Even it says he marveled at their unbelief. He called them, you faithless generation, how long have I got to put up with you? Our loving Jesus said that? Yes, he did. But he also did many wonderful, miraculous works for those who had faith in him. Look at the woman who had bleeding for 12 years. She had faith. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garments, not even have him lay hands on me and pray for me, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And you know, there were so many people thronging around Jesus at that time when she crawled through the crowds to touch the hem of his garment. She was the only one that power was taken out of Jesus and healed her. Because he stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples went, Jesus, there's hundreds of us. What do you mean who touched us? Everybody's bumping into us. He said, no, but who touched me? Who took power out from me? It was her faith. And I don't know about you, but I want to take all the power I can get out of Jesus. Thanks very much. Amen. The power, the power of Jesus, the power of his love, the power of his goodness, his mercy. The power of his, his ability to just break the chains in my life and break the chains over your life. I want to access that power. It's going to be done in faith just like that woman. And at the same time, the centurion, who wasn't even a Jewish person, the centurion, he sent somebody else and said, Jesus, just speak the word only and it will, help, and it will heal my servant. Amen. The blind man that got healed, Jesus said, your faith, not your faith in yourself, but your faith in me has healed you. He never, Jesus actually never took the credit for the things he did. He would say, your faith in me, your faith has healed you. Amen? This is not a time for you and I to be faithless. It's not a time for us to be content with a measure of faith. We're here for such a time as this to make a difference on planet earth. Amen? We're here to extend the kingdom of God. Amen? And I've, you know, I've got a story that I want to share with you because some of you may know this, but, you know, my mum was from a Hindu background and they came from the Fiji Islands to England in the 60s. And they, you know, they had been Christians, but they were in a church in Fiji, bless them, that thought it was God's will for you to be sick, that if you were poor, he was keeping you humble, etc., etc. But when they came to England, they met people who believed the Bible. 
believed the Bible, didn't take it out of context, just believed that God was a good God and he was able to heal. Now, when I was born, I um, obviously I couldn't walk when I was born because I was a baby, but when I should be walking and developing, I couldn't walk because instead of standing on my feet, I would, st- I would be on my ankles and my, my feet were all floppy. So I was crawling. I should have been walking. I was crawling. And back in the day, because like, this is like 50-odd years ago, back in the day, they, they, the only option was to put me in those big, thick boots with the calipers of the iron things coming up your legs. And, um, but my mum had been in church. And that day, the pastor had been speaking on Peter uh, when he'd gone to the temple. And he'd seen the crippled man. And he said to the crippled man, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. I have the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So my mum was ironing and she looked at me crawling and she thought, you know, hmm, I wonder if that worked then. I wonder if it will work for me. I think it will work for me. I'll give it a go. It was just little faith. Well, the story is that I'm walking because my mum prayed for me. She said, in the name of Jesus, Joyce, walk. So I stood up and for the first time ever, I was able to balance on my feet instead of flopping over onto my ankles. And then she got really excited, so I fell, back, I fell down, and then she kind of picked me back up again with her hands, and then she said, Joyce, in the name of Jesus, walk. And I took three steps. Well, she got really feisty and excited by this time. Her voice was raised. She's just, it's, I can't remember that she was telling me the story. She told us the kids a story many times. She said her voice got really excited, and she raised her voice, and she's like, Joyce, in the name of Jesus, I command you to walk. And with that, I was up, and I was walking, and my dad said when he came home, I was going up and down the stairs. I'm telling you, little faith, exercised and applied, made a massive difference in my life. And, you know, I actually took that story for granted, and it wasn't until we were in Hillsong College in Australia that I thought, Gosh, I've never thanked my mum for praying for me. So I picked up the phone and said, Mum, I just want to say thank you. And Mark said, yeah, you should thank your mother, as I would be carrying you into church. So God is a God of miracles. And we've just got to apply what we know. And we've got to be in a Bible-based, Christ-centered church to get to know what we need to know. Amen? That is my story. You can't take that away from me. I know faith works. I know faith in the name of Jesus works. I know he took the stripes on his shoulders so that I could be healed. Amen? And I've seen it time and time again. I traveled with my father when we would go to places like the Philippines and Fiji, and I saw people who were blind have, the, have their eyes opened. They didn't have another option. They had, the only option they had was to believe what we were telling them about Jesus who heals. He's not dead, but still alive and still able to do today what he did back then. And they believe and their eyes were open and big goiters would drop off people, just disappear. So I've seen it with my eyes, but you know what? God doesn't want us just to believe it because we've seen it with our eyes. He wants us to believe it because he said it's true. Amen. That's what faith is. Amen. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 17 tells us exactly where we can source this kind of faith. Do you want to know where it's? <laughs> I thought you would say yes. Romans 10 verse 17. It basically says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God, Jesus. The word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The Bible is not just black ink on white paper. It's the inspired word of God. It is actually Jesus. It is actually Jesus. And I just want to encourage all of us to start stirring up a love 
for the word of God. Because when we do that, we stir up a love for Jesus. Amen. You know, I was thinking when I was preparing, you know, I got to, I, I, I began to love Mark the more time I spent with him. I didn't just love him from a distance. Yes, I thought he was cute. But I just didn't, I didn't fall in love with him from a distance. I fell in, in love with him as I spent time with him. So wherever you are, it's okay. Just start spending time with Jesus. Amen? And I'm telling you, you will love it because it's life transforming. And you see, the thing is, sometimes you think, oh, I've heard that before. But the first time you hear something, the seed is sown. Thereafter, when you hear it again and again, the seed is watered. Now, we all know that we don't just put a seed in the ground. Farmers do not put seed in the ground and then don't water it or don't tend to it. Any of you that tried that with a tomato plant, you know it doesn't work. So the seed goes into the ground the first time you hear it, the seed is sown. Thereafter, it is watered. That's why we can never hear the truth enough to hear it over and over and over again so it gets down into our heart because once it gets down into our heart, it comes up and out of our mouth and we start to speak God's truth. We don't speak the circumstances. We don't speak what we see. It's not that we deny the facts. It's not we deny the feelings, but we make faith bigger. We make the word of God bigger. Amen. We magnify what he says. Amen. So that's why it's great to keep coming into the house of God. You know, there may be people here that have never heard that Jesus loves you today. You may be here and you've never heard how much he loves you. But when we're speaking on Jesus' love and you're hearing it through the songs that we're singing, it's a seed that has been sown into your heart, your spirit. Now, some people may have heard that but still haven't made a decision for Jesus, but you're here again and you're hearing it again. And all it's doing is it's watering that seed that's been sown. And that is a real honor and privilege that we get to do that, that we get to water that seed. But that seed can only be watered if you allow your heart to be soft. And I love what Ryan said last week when he went to church. He said, I just decided to, to get all my guards down and just go in and go, okay. So if you're here, just let the guards down and go, okay, Holy Spirit, you can speak to me. Amen. In Luke 8, verse 5 to 15, Jesus explained to his disciples a parable that he had previously shared with a large crowd that had gathered to hear him. And it was about a farmer who was sowing seed. Now, the seed in this parable is the word of God. And the farmer was sowing the word of God on four different types of soil. And the soil is indicative of our heart. That's why the Bible says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the very forces of life. Our spirit is so important to guard because it just takes a little bit being off. If we don't guard it and put it back on track, say we get offended about something and we don't actually walk in love and forgiveness and we go off track before we know it. It might be little here, but as you go further down, it's actually taking you right out of the picture. So we've got to guard our heart. That's why God says guard it. So he's talking about the heart here. And the four types of soil were different hearts. And there was, out of the four hearts that the seed was sown, there was only one soil that bore fruit. So I thought it's worth us taking a look at this because if that's the case, I want to make sure I get rid of the three soils that didn't bear fruit and actually make sure I put my effort and diligence into developing a heart where the soil will enable the seed to grow and bear much fruit. Amen? So Luke 8, and we're going to pick it up at verse 11. This is when Jesus was explain, explaining the parable to his disciples because they're like, Jesus, what do you mean? 
do, I don't get it, what do you mean? <laughs> so this is the meaning of the parable, he said. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. That means the word is sown, but they refuse it, they've refused salvation. So that's as far as it can go. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Thank God for verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Amen? They retain it. Another translation says they hold onto that word tightly. So there's nothing passive about this. They hold onto it tightly and they hold onto it patiently until they see the harvest. You know, when my brother was here and he was teaching on faith, he did an illustration with Andreas where he had the Bible and he, he had the hold of his Bible and he was holding onto it, but Andreas was coming to take it away. And if he held it just loosely, it was really easy for Andreas just to walk by and take it away. But he had to hold onto it really tight and forcefully to keep it. And that's what it is with us here because our challenges are going to come our way. We live in a fallen world. This is not give your life to Jesus and skip through the roses, holding hands. No, we live in a real world. The challenges come. And we see that in the story. We see that in, in a story that I'm going to finish with about the, the man that built his house on the sand and the man that built his house on the rock. Challenges come to both, you know. But the fact of the matter is we've got to hold onto the truth that God has put in our lives, that he's enabled us to live from. The fact is you and I will believe God to the extent that we believe what the Bible says. It's just the way it is. And to the degree that we then apply what the Bible says to our lives personally. And it's only when we really decide to read the Bible for ourselves, especially you gorgeous young people, to read the Bible for yourself. Because my dad used to say, God doesn't have grandchildren, just children. But for all of us, when we start to decide to read the Bible for ourselves... That's when we get our own personal revelation. We need our own personal revelation to stand strong. Amen? We cannot dele delegate this. What I know about my time in the Bible myself, that's when I've had the ha-ha moments. That makes sense. Oh, my gosh. The lights go on. But you, I, can't make, I can't do that for you, and you can't do that for me. And just remember, we're not going to the Bible for God. We're going to the Bible for ourselves. God knows what's in the Bible. Remember that. We're not going to fulfill a law or an obligation. We're running to the Bible for ourselves because it's going to do us so much good. It's got all the wisdom in there that we need for every situation in life. And it's specific to our very individual needs. Our faith in God gives us access to everything God has provided for us. So I just want to ask you, what do you need to see released in your life? You know, if it's stress and anxiety, then peace. If you go to the scripture and search out everything to do with peace, 
You'll be encouraged, you'll be strengthened, you'll strengthen and water the seed of peace that's in you. If there's mourning, there's been a situation this week where we've been at a funeral, but you know, in that time of mourning, of the loss of a young life, that, you know, we can go to the Word of God and receive comfort. If it's depression and loneliness, we can go to the Word of God and receive joy. It says that in His presence there is fullness of joy. And when we're with Jesus, we're in His presence. If there's bitterness and unforgiveness, we can go to his word and learn about love and how much he's forgiven us so then we can extend that to others. But I've seen too many Christians who've been Christians for like 110 years who are still so bitter of something that happened like 50 years ago. Slight exaggeration with the years. Do you know what I mean? But you know what I mean? And I find it like, come on, come on, come on. The world needs us to be set free from all of this because it's just another luggage to carry with you. How are we supposed to reach the world when we're carrying all this baggage with us? I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. Yeah? Oh, so good. Come on up, team. If there's lack, then let's go to the scriptures for provision. If there's fear, let's go to the scriptures for love, because it's love that casts out all fear. You know, when I was younger, I was fearful of a few things. And I remember reading the scripture, my dad saying, you know, sweetheart, perfect love cast out all fear. And I remember being all perplexed because then obviously I'm not perfectly loving God. And he's like, no, no, no. It's not about your perfect love for him. It's about his perfect love for you. Oh, that made it very different. And if we can, if we, whatever you need, if you go to the scriptures and you find something, find three scriptures, this is what I tell people all the time, find three scriptures that pertain to that area of your life and take it like medicine three times a day. I've got on my kitchen, I can do all things that God has entrusted me to do through the strength that he's given me. I've got it stuck on my kitchen wall. I see it every day. Because sometimes I think, oh, how are we going to do this? Well, I can do all things. What has God entrusted me with? He's entrusted me with a marriage. He's entrusted me with children. He's entrusted me with an amazing church. I can do all things through Christ who, all things, means all things. Amen? What do you need? I know what I need. I know what I need and I'm going, I'm running to the word of God to get what I need. To the degree that we apply what the Bible says to our lives personally. Amen? John 8, verse 31 to 32 says, The truth shall make you free. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth you know makes you free. If you don't know it, you can't be made free by it, which is why we've got to go and find the truth concerning the areas of our life that we need his truth to shine on. Amen. The the Passion Translation says it this way, for if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. If you embrace the truth, it it will release more freedom into your life. So I just want to conclude with Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27 in the NIV. And it is about the men who built their house, one on rock and one on sand. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. In my kids' church one, it said, the floods. Stream seems a little bit 
soft here, but never mind. But it says the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundations on the rock. Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 26, but anyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So what I want to say today is let's just make a decision, you and I together, that we're going to be a group of people that are going to honor the word that we are going to love the word, we're going to hear the word, we're going to be doers of the word. And as we do that, we are going to see the power of God released through our lives, released not only in our lives, but in our city and in our nation and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' precious name, amen.